You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the Best Life. Hey guys, we're here. We're drinking leftover champagne from brunch with my besties in January. Can you believe it lasted this long? I'm so proud of us. <laughs> Only because it's stayed at your parents' house. Uh, yeah, it's been and in my parents', parents drink. So Yeah, I have to hide it in their garage and they do not like it. No. Like, can you please put the the alcohol away from the grandkids? I'm like, they're You're like, gonna... sure, we'll just drink it right now, mom. <laughs> I'm like, I don't think they're going to figure out how to pop a bottle. <laughs> if they do, I'm impressed. <laughs> then, you know. Yeah, so we're uh, back together again, and it feels like we haven't seen each other for uh, forever. It has, but been a I feel long like time. we start every podcast with that. Oh my god, we haven't seen each other forever, but we really haven't. It's been like three weeks, which is actually unacceptable. It's very. It was so funny, you guys. A couple of days ago, I called Danny to like ask some logistical questions about Vegas, and I was like. I'm not asking you anything else because I need to be sitting down looking you in the face when I ask you all the questions about your new relationship (laughs) and everything that has transpired. It's so true. A lot has gone on. And she's like, and she, you were such, you were like such a tease. You're like, oh my God, so much has changed. And I was like, I don't ask what, because (laughs) I don't want it in pieces. I want the whole scoop. Yeah. You needed the whole scoop. And I needed to tell you in person too. I was like, I can't like, you just need to hurry and get here. I can't talk to you because (laughs) I'm going to start slipping things out. But we're, we're in a Vegas studio today. Yeah. We just went to a pool party and this was really interesting. So Vegas pool parties, if you haven't been, it's like people wear heels, they get all decked out and Jill and I are just hanging on the edge of the pool and these guys come up and I just want to, I want to believe that they were telling the truth, but they were like, oh, we're here for our friend's birthday party. And I was like, oh, how old is he? And he's like, oh, we're probably too old for you guys. And I was like, how old are you? And he's like, well, he's 31. And I just was dying. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're too old for us. And we're like, how old do you think we are? <laughs> anyway, he was like, yeah, maybe 24, 26. And we're like, yep, we'll take that. So anyway, made these old ladies feel good for half a second at the pool party. They could have been <laughs> lying and they were definitely drunk. So yeah, we'll take it for what it is. But yeah, we'll accept it. You know, it is interesting. You know, I mean, obviously both of us are in relationships now, but like even single just be, if it has always like felt a little bit odd to me. Like, I don't know that I never felt like old, but I guess I felt like and I feel sometimes like most I'm putting in quotes, most women our age wouldn't be like at a Vegas school party necessarily. Yeah, probably not. You know, they'd be home with their kids, family. I mean, maybe for like a bachelorette party or like a 40th birthday party bash or something. But if you guys go to Vegas and you go to pool parties, DM us so we know who's going. 
Yeah. And we're not alone. <laughs> yeah. Everybody was like, what are you guys here for? We're like, uh, you know, it's funny. Now we just, we just both had the same lies. We're like, where are you from? And I'm just like, yeah, LA. Or when people ask what I do now, I just sometimes will say like internet, social media marketing. It's just, nobody really cares. They're not listening. So now I've just stopped giving real answers and just started giving Whatever yeah, we just try to get a drink for free. Yeah. So we've been getting lots of questions. Actually, one of the questions we got was, um, now that we have boyfriends, do we see each other less? So it seems like the answer is yes. We'll talk about that on another episode. But we're going to talk about today a couple of things, actually. This all has to do with communication and relationships. So somebody had asked, Jill mentioned in her episode with Keith, which was two episodes back. I can't remember the number. But basically how she, before she comes to him with any issues and starts dumping on him, she processes it first or she talks to me or someone else first before she goes to him with it. And somebody asked about like, what does that mean? What do you mean by processing it before you go to your spouse or partner? And so we wanted to kind of talk about that. And what is the difference between like dumping on your partner and being, yeah, like dumping on your partner or dumping even on your friends and gossiping versus uh, processing and all of those kind of things in communication. And yeah, I think you kind of mentioned it in the episode where we talked about Jeff, the last episode, kind of, you went into it a little more where, and maybe I'm trying to think of some examples, like maybe there were some questions. There's some, you know, I mean, I've been kind of playing around with the concept of what I'm calling curated communication, Mm -hmm. which is more of like a, and I think I actually said this in an episode, a more curated version of myself where I think there's kind of two types of people and this is a huge generalization, but there's the women who go to their spouse for everything. And I was one of those people. Mm-hmm. That's like, they're my support system. They're my, and of course, that's like the number one person in your life. So you want to get emotional support from them. You know, you want to vent financially. You want to talk about like family style. You just go to them for advice, for like anything that's going on in your life. And I traditionally have not had all that many girlfriends. Even in college, I had a group of girlfriends, but they were all tighter with each other than really I felt because I always had a boyfriend in college. And then there's people who like pretty much only talk to their girlfriends and they like very rarely bring it to their spouse or their partner because they, that's just the relationship that they've evolved over time is like, Hey, I vent to my girlfriends, but my, my spouse and I, or my partner and I, we don't really like go into those kind of things. And like, he's not really, or she's not really available for that level of communication. And so how do you navigate what you share with the person you're in a relationship with versus not? And when does it become dumping and when is it your shit versus like, cause that's the thing is when I mentioned that in the, in the episode with Keith, 90% of his process before I bring it to him, because there's a lot of things that I feel like happen in a relationship that don't really have anything to do with him. It's just, mm-hmm. I'm triggered. Like literally it could be, it's that time of the month. It could be something really small makes me feel insecure. I'm projecting previous narratives onto this relationship. I'm making assumptions that aren't there. And so I think a lot of these things are dangerous. And one of the books that really helped me, and I know you read it too, is the four agreements mm-hmm. and the four agreements. I forget what they are. The first one is don't make assumptions. Don't take things personal. Don't take things personally. Be impeccable with your word. Yep. And I forget the last one, but I feel like, you know, don't make assumptions is really important because I think sometimes we just jump like five steps ahead and we assume something. And so whenever I get a insecurity trigger or I'm feeling bad or I'm feeling uh, emotionally hijacked, I check in with myself first to see like, okay, is this 
something that if I brought to him, he could even help me with. Like he might be like, Jill, that's not what it, like it might be. Maybe I need clarification on something. Yep. But for the most part, it's maybe just me feeling insecure and not good enough, which is my pattern or feeling unworthy of love or whatever that is. And feeling, I don't know, suspicious, insecure, whatever that is. Sure. I could go to him and be like, Hey, this is and bugging me. I'm feeling insecure about this thing, whatever. And then he would say something like, well, you know, I love you. You know, I love you. And like, you know, obviously I want you to feel secure and he has in the past, but like still I feel good in that moment, but doesn't actually change me. You know what I mean? Yep. Like it feels great to hear that in that moment. And it kind of just is putting a bandaid on the, the real issue. And the real issue is, is me working on my own kind of level of self-confidence. I think that it comes a lot like this is going to go in. That's kind of a circular conversation that ties in, but it's when you're dumping on somebody, you're, you kind of have a self-awareness. Well, when you're going to dump or not to, to choose not to, you're having the self-awareness of, is this about them or is it about me? And so you said something like, is this my own insecurity? And I remember even that question is, how do you even know if it's your own insecurity? Right. And I think it's, it's been a little bit easier for us because we may be triggered by like, I'm just going to make women an, Yeah. Or... Like some example like that, like, oh, maybe he liked a, someone else's picture on Instagram. So do we go out to them and be like, whoa, who's this bitch that you're liking? Or we're like, whoa, is that my problem? Because my ex cheated on me and he liked other women's Instagram. So maybe that's my own thing. It has nothing to do with him. And the assumption is, oh, if you like someone's Instagram, that must mean they're like DMing furiously <laughs> and trying to set up a hookup. When right. in actuality, what I do is I turn around to myself and I'm like, do I like other dudes photos on yeah. Instagram? sure but they're my friend I don't dm them and go like hey like want to jump in the sack so like the assumption of this means this means this means this I try to reel myself in from that kind of thing and yeah. if it's like if it's something and we know like women's intuition like we do have an intu intuitive hit if like it's old photos that they're liking or it's like multiple in a row or like something like that then maybe just take note maybe don't bring it up to them necessarily in that moment yep. but you know store it away for like just, you know what I mean? Like keep it on your radar, but it doesn't mean it needs to be like big fight. Totally. And I think a big thing is, and I've been talking to Jeff about this, is just asking clarifying questions instead of instantly jumping to a story of they must be talking to them. There must be a, a, there some must be relationship. A there, yeah. Instead of going, hey, I noticed you did this. I'm just curious. Like, how do you know this person? Or um, tell me more about that. So you can ask clarifying questions instead of just instantly assuming because then they're going to get defensive. Okay. And then suddenly you are blocking any kind of communication because they feel accused. You feel like they're doing something wrong. It's just like this big defensive back and forth thing. So I think, yes, waiting or talking to a girlfriend about it who is maybe on the outside going, like yeah. you've called me out on some stuff. You're like, Jill, you're, you're fucking crazy actually. Like, I mean, <laughs> I know say, we're not like supposed to use that word, but you too. Yeah. It's yeah. like, yeah, you have, and that's why you said like you process a lot before. It's like, maybe we made some assumptions and you have a friend on the outside going, okay, do you think that might be from your old stuff? Or, right. you know, he's never done this before, so why would you instantly assume the worst? And so I think that's a big piece is being able to talk to somebody else, hopefully if you have someone, or at least stepping back before you make instant assumptions, jumping down someone's throat um, before they get defensive, creating an entire story. I mean, we've all been there. I mean, I've even been there where, like you have a dream that your partner cheats on you. <laughs> yes. And classic. then the whole day you're pissed at them. Right. And they're just like, what did I do? Right. And it's kind of like this. Like sometimes we see something, hear something, or they say something, and we create this entire story. 
And none of that actually happened. And like you said, you might be just that time of the month and you're taking everything super personally. You know, I think it's important to to figure out who you go to as well. So I think my advice would be to find a friend or someone who can support you who's not going to catastrophize. I think there's a lot of friends who feel like they want to be on your team and be like a cheerleader for you. So you'll bring something to them in like a venting processing way and they'll go like they'll jump to like that fucking asshole or they'll project their own insecurities on you they're like that means he must be cheating and like all of a sudden you're going down this rabbit hole that you're actually trying not to go down yeah and so it comes from a good intention of like they want to be on your team but sometimes they can catastrophize with you and project their own insecurities and all of a sudden it's like oh and you come up with this like yeah i need to tell him off this and that and so i think you have to really figure out who is safe to go to with that stuff because like while it feels nice to be supported sometimes like that's not what you need you need someone to challenge you a little bit yeah I agree I also think finding the right person one and then knowing yourself as much as possible which is hard to do so hard is another like knowing your triggers okay so your past relationship you had um, issues with trust so you know that certain things make you feel less secure And this is also a chance for you to communicate with your partner. Like, hey, you know, you understand my past and my history. And so I sometimes feel insecure when you do this. And it's not about you. It's me. But I just want you to know that sometimes these things I may need to ask you or I may need to like I may feel like you might feel like I'm a little bit nosy, but this just helps me. And I think that can help grow the bond and grow trust with each other if you can be open about it and know what your triggers are. And sometimes you just don't. And sometimes you get those triggers because that partner caused that yeah and that can be really really tricky so for example my mom and dad um, my dad had a gambling problem and still does um growing up massive addiction and so even to this day where he might be okay if there's if he's even late on a friday night or she instantly jumps to like he's gambling his whole paycheck and she instantly jumps to like worst case scenario and sometimes he's just like, whoa, can I catch a break here? Mm-hmm. But yeah. it's been, the trust has been broken so many times right. and there's just enough triggers that he's constantly doing that. And unfortunately, they haven't learned a really good way to communicate yeah. where she can be like, hey, I'm feeling this way. Can you help me out? Instead, it's just, it's reaction, 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 reaction. And it, and unfortunately, a lot of marriages end up that way over time. And so I know for a lot of you who've been married a long time and you maybe want things to change, but it's hard because it's like you've established a certain dynamic that maybe you don't talk about things or maybe you kind of like swallow your feelings and maybe the resentment builds and you don't know how to commute, start communicating on that level. It's hard. Um, I know in there too, and we were going to talk about this was, you know, what if you and your partner don't communicate in this way? And I can see that happening and it's kind of like, how do you start? If you've been with someone 15 years and you're just going, you know, we don't talk <laughs> and I want to start talking. How do you even open that door? You know, it is, uh, I think it's so tough because at the same time, like I loved what you said about kind of preparing your partner for maybe some of your triggers, but at the same time, it can't be it, like, it can't be death by a thousand paper, paper cuts either. Like it can't mm-hmm. be like constantly. So there needs to be some progress. Yeah. I think that if you're going to prepare your partner for like, Hey, just so you know, I think like given our backgrounds, it makes sense for us to like the next time we're in a serious relationship, be like, Hey, this is sensitivity of mine. I'm working on it. But just so you know, like every once in a while this might come up, but I'm working on it. 
And so like if we're together like 10 years and I'm still like, are you cheating on me when like nothing has ever been that way? Then I think that, you know, like maybe to the dynamic of your parents, like one of them needs to decide that they want things to change. You know what I mean? And then start communicating in that way. It's interesting when you say um, communicating in a new way, a new, more open way. I think it can be really hard because I think there are a lot of women and this is a generalization who want to have that level of conversation with their partner, but they bring it to their partner and their partner kind of just um, dismisses it because they're like, what is this? And they almost feel gaslit a little bit Mm -hmm. like, oh, it's this again. Or like, oh my God, we're talking about this again. And it can feel really like, fuck, like I'm bringing it to someone who is unavailable to hold space for this conversation And then you go away feeling bad about yourself, feeling bad that you should have brought up, feeling angry that they can't, you know what I mean? So like, what would you say to someone who is in that situation when they do try to bring things up and they get gaslit or they get dismissed? Gosh. And they're just like, we're still dealing with this. It's so hard when you're with someone for so long. And I think... One of the things is sometimes people wouldn't even bring it up because they're like, I already know he's going to be this. That's the kiss of death. Yeah. Like he's, he's going to act like this. So I think that one, you have to come in already letting down guards and defensive, like without coming in of like assuming the worst. Yep. I think two, um, you have to maybe start small, like not start with the big things. Yes. I agree. So you don't want to start with like the gambling addiction. We'll just start with like, Hey, um, Shit, I don't know. Um, I would just wish that when you come home, we spend five minutes together and I just want to hear about your day. I think there has to be a point where one person has to, unfortunately or fortunately, I don't know, as I was just reading this marriage book and I was having a conversation with Jeff about it, how sometimes when there's just this dynamic so long where one person feels taken advantage of, the other person is like, well, she doesn't appreciate me, so I'm not going to talk to her. And then it's like suddenly nobody's giving one person has to decide and start to kind of, mm. I don't want to say break, down. but just like be soft and just yeah. go, you know what? I'm going to do decide something to put their ego aside. And then you have to act different for a while until they see that you're making a change. And it can be hard. And bottom line is if you bring something to the person who like you say you love the most in the world, they say they love you. And you're like, hey, I'm wondering if we could spend five minutes together when you get home from work. And they're like, what the fuck is this? I'm sorry, but you're with an asshole. Like (laughs) bottom line is like if they can't for a very small request that you bring to them in a very benign way, in a very like non-emotional, very neutral way, and they can't hear you out, then like, I'm sorry. Like I don't want... I don't, I hate to say, but like that you deserve better than that. You deserve better than that. And so it's not to say like you get up and leave and I know you have established relationships and families and things like that, but like something has to change. And I think it is going to change. It's going to have to change with your behavior. And it's also going to have to change with, you might have to get to the point where like, if you do truly want things to be differently, there needs to be consequences of like, Hey, I've asked you this a couple of times and like, you've blown me off every time that isn't benign. Like that's having an impact on me. And like, to be honest, like I'm not really sure that this is going to work moving forward. Like not as a threat, but as like a real, I don't know if this is what I want to keep doing. And that doesn't mean like I'm like, but we have to like, I need things to be different. And I know it's different than it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, but like, this is what I need moving forward. Are you willing to grow with me? And if you're not, then like we need to talk about options. Yeah. I think something a lot of women tend to do and can do is, having that conversation where they want constant reassurance and constant, um, yeah, like reassurance of their insecurities. And that's where I think it can get tricky of like, okay, 
do we want to have an open two-way street communication? I want to hear how you feel. I want you to hear how I feel. I want us to be able to hold space for each other or going back to the dumping of like, I just need you to constantly affirm me that like, I'm good enough. I'm pretty enough. You still want me. You're not cheating on me. Cause that's a whole other level of just, you've got your own fucking issues. Yep. And I think that's back to knowing yourself. And we kind of wanted to talk about like being aware of what your triggers are. How are you aware? And then how do you articulate that? Because, you know, Jill and I have talked about this a lot, just in private conversations of looking back at our marriages and when the affairs were happening, especially for Nate, I feel like he was struggling because he didn't even know what he was actually struggling with. I think he had some personal struggles going on. I think he had some personal self-esteem things going on, but he really couldn't put words on what he was feeling. And so he acted out. And I think a lot of us Mm -hmm. do this. Like maybe we drink, um, Mm -hmm. maybe we get into addictive behaviors. Maybe Mm -hmm. we have an affair, but we're having some kind of feelings. We don't know what those are. And Mm -hmm. so we tend to act out some other way. And so I think that it's really crucial to be aware and then being able to articulate how you're feeling and what that is, is a completely different skill set. Sometimes we just don't even have the words. We just know we're struggling. We know we're not feeling good. Maybe we're like, I feel like I'm not myself anymore. When I met you, I was, you know, this, and now I've had two kids and I feel lost and I don't know what to do. And you're throwing a bunch of stuff out there and you're taking Mm -hmm. it out on your kids. You're taking it out on your Mm -hmm. husband. And they're just like, fuck, I don't know what to do. Right. And so it's hard because you don't, know what the words are but that's yep. one of the big pieces is being able to figure out what do you exactly need yeah like what can they do for you because like going back to the dumping it's like you can just dump it but by telling your spouse what what can they do for you because they're going to want to fix it right yep. so they're gonna be like okay cool what do i what am i supposed to do about right that? yeah i mean i think being able to notice and name your feelings is a skill set all on its own and a lot of times we will lash out or we'll get defensive if we're feeling things like insecurity and embarrassment, right? So like I know in situations that I've been in where I just am embarrassed that I'm insecure or I feel insecure and I don't and I'll get, I'll defend or I'll get mad or I'll get sad or cry in lieu of just saying, I'm just really embarrassed right now and I don't know why, but I'm embarrassed that I'm bringing this up to you. I'm embarrassed that we're having to have this conversation. Like that could even just be it, right? So I think notice And I love Byron Katie's work because she's always like any negative emotion is just a red flag. That's all it is. Like, don't judge it. Don't be like, this is bad. And I think oftentimes we do judge negative emotions. Like I shouldn't be angry. I shouldn't be mad. I shouldn't be resentful. I shouldn't be hurt, whatever. But I think there's a lot of catharsis in being able to notice and then being in emotional integrity, which means noticing it and then naming it. Sometimes we don't even want to name it. Because even naming it is embarrassing, right? Like even being, even saying, I feel lost. I feel confused. I don't feel like myself. I don't feel like this is working for me. Even speaking those words out loud can feel really monumental. And so I understand why sometimes we are even scared of the emotion or even acknowledging the emotion. I remember you told me uh, when you and Nate were kind of in the aftermath of the affair, And, or even, I think it was before the affair happened when you were asking him like, honey, like, what is it? Something is up with you. Like, what is it? And he would open his mouth to say something and then he would close it and he would open it up to say, and then he would close it. And I think that is an example of a case where, and this has happened to me too, where we don't, we know we feel something, but we can't name the emotion. Once you be able to like, I'm feeling this way and not be scared of those things, 
the second skill set is being able to actually say that to your partner yeah. or communicate that or articulate it. And I think that's even scarier. I think sometimes we're scared because we are afraid of what they're going to think of us. Sure. I remember when I was having a relapse of my bulimia, we were married maybe three, four years. And I went to my doctor, my OBGYN, and I was asking to get on antidepressants actually, um, to help me like kind of get back. And he goes, does anybody know? And I said, no. And he goes, well, you need to tell your husband. And he, he basically said, if I don't tell him that the doctor would call him and tell him. And so I got home and I didn't tell him. And then the phone rang and I heard Nate get the phone and then he, I could tell it was the doctor and I was like, Oh my God. And then he took the call out into the garage and I was like, shit, I went to the room and I just started bawling. I was like, this is it. He's going to leave me and this is over. And it's just like, it's the end of our marriage. And then he came in and he just gave me a big hug and he just like, I was just bawling and he was just so great about it. But I think I, I literally just couldn't tell him, like I knew that doctor was going to call whether I told him or not. And I was like, I can't, I just couldn't do it. And I was so afraid of if I said the thing that everything would be over. So I, I think a lot of times we think that that feeling, whether we're like, I feel insecure or I feel like I'm not good enough for you, or I have this addiction or I have something wrong. We are so afraid of what's going to happen that we don't say it. And that just continues to eat you up. And that's where like the shame cycle comes in, right? Yeah. Because like the longer you don't say it and you continue to swallow it, the more shameful you feel and the more you judge yourself for it. Yeah. I should be stronger. I should be able to do this. Why can't I fucking do this? You know, and I think, so last night I went out to dinner with Jade, who's my ex-husband, and we were talking a little bit about our um, divorce and our relationship before we got divorced. And I said, you know, there were just so many things that we didn't know to communicate. Mm -hmm. I think like our marriage really broke down. Yes, the affair was a huge part of it, but the affair happened as a result of a lack of communication on both of our parts and an and, and inability to articulate or even know what to say. Because I remember a very specific period where I was walking on eggshells. And I think if you've been in a long-term relationship for any period of time, you've had moments where you are walking on eggshells a little bit because you are so scared to, number one, you don't know what to say exactly to break the ice. And number two, you feel like your entire world is going to implode if you even start down that road. And so we go, you know what, I, this is at least, at least this misery that I'm in is familiar. At least I feel like I can manage it versus if I start talking about some shit that I've never talked about with my partner, I don't know what that looks like. You know what I mean? It's like almost as if like this people prefer like a familiar kind of misery over potentially going down the road of like shaking things up and disturbing the peace. And I think if you've been with someone for a long period of time, it's hard to start having those deeper conversations. It's so, it really is hard. And looking back in the times that I have, they've always deepened my relationships and I made know. them better. Same. But it's taking that step that is so terrifying. So I just, again, kind of reposted about the depression episode that we did on Instagram. And I've gotten a few messages and a girlfriend that I had, she said, when I was, had my son, I went through major postpartum for like three years. She goes, I just wanted to leave this world. And she said, I finally went to my doctor and we worked it out. She goes, but I don't think my spouse knew what kind of dark place I was in. I really didn't tell anybody. And she was like literally suicidal. And the person closest to her had no idea. She's mm -hmm. like, I still don't think he even knew how bad it was. And I think that happens a lot to us where we're going through something 
that's heavy or we want to bring something up and it just gets bigger and bigger and we get so scared to say it and then we're so afraid of what they're going to to say or do but I can only imagine if she had said that to him that a he would feel honored that she trusted him and b she he would likely try to help her and I think for the most part when you're married to somebody they chose you you chose them that they want you to tell you tell them those things and they would probably feel honored maybe they will feel hurt for a minute that you kept it in for a long time and that's also a consequence you have to deal with or maybe the relationship will end, but I'll, you know you mm-hmm. have to kind of wonder mm-hmm. what's worse is holding mm-hmm. in a secret or a feeling that's it's already eating you alive. Is that going to make it better or worse than just actually saying it and then seeing what happens I afterwards? Know. Yeah, that like second skill set of being able to actually verbalize it, I think, is to articulate it in an, a neutral way. I think is really tough. But I also think the first time you do it is always the toughest. Yeah. I think like the first initial conversation, it's going to be super fucking awkward. People aren't like, you guys aren't going to know how to do it. I always say that with Jade and I, we were tripping over ourselves and that really was what it felt like. It felt like you said something and then you were like, but I don't, I don't know that I actually mean exactly Mm -hmm. that, but like that's close to it, you know? And then like, and then he would say something and then like one person would get defensive and then it, it kind of went that way a little bit. So I don't think the point is to like perfectly communicate out the gate. I think the point and the goal should be to just rip the bandaid off and kind of start the series of conversations that it's going to end up being that maybe three months from now, six months from now, a year from now, things are totally different. But the idea that you're going to have like one monumental conversation and everything's going to be solved, I think you need to get your expectations managed a little bit. I think the first conversation is going to be super awkward. I think it's going to have a lot of hurt feelings. I think it's not going to necessarily end perfectly. I think it's going to, but I think it is going to start down the road of more conversations and it might take you months. It might take you even years. I have a girlfriend who started having some really serious conversations with her partner and it's taken them like two, three years to totally overhaul their interactions. Yeah. I was going to say, I think that actually the first conversations only lead to more. Yeah. You most likely will not get it out in one because it's going to open up the floodgates to more questions. And I think that's fine. Yeah. I think the more clarification you get, the more questions you ask, the clearer you can get, the more you can understand the person, the more they can understand you, yep. the better you get at communicating. It's just like your competence, confidence yes. cycle. Yes, it's like it is. the more you communicate, the better you get, the better you get. The It's just like this thing, the more you can talk about it, and it sucks. It's not easy. No. Like you said, there's going to be hurt feelings. There's going to be, but tons of uncertainty. You're going to yeah. leave a conversation feeling uneasy. Not everything's going to be wrapped up with a bow. We um, did a live event in New York a few months ago, and there was a woman who came to it, and she was in the thick of going through some huge transition in her marriage and her family life. And, you know, she just said, we're in the thick of it. I remember saying like, we're in the thick of it. Like things are super uncomfortable. They're super uncertain. We don't know where things are going. And I, and I just said to her, your only job is to just keep putting one foot in front of the other. That's it. Keep showing up to the conversations. That's the only thing I can say is keep showing up to the conversations. Even if you literally are like, I don't know what I'm saying right now. I don't even know if this is my truth or not. This is, I'm like word vomiting. I'm trying to get it out because you will over time, like you said, refine your ability to communicate and it's only through practice it really is only through practice and to your point it really does deepen all of your relationships as a result of stumbling through that one really tough one it really really does you know 
like I said at the beginning, since we talked about Jeff on the podcast in the last three weeks, a lot has changed, but mostly we've just had a couple of really hard conversations to where it was like where I couldn't really talk to him for a couple of days. I really needed to process and I called Jill. I almost like flew out to Mexico just to get away. I'm like, I need my best friend right now. I need to talk. And um, it was a hard couple of days. And ultimately I said, I'm like, I'm glad this happened because it's made me realize what I want. And we've had to, we've had a lot more conversations since, but it really did, I think, make us closer, even though it was hard and it was shitty and it could have been the end for both of us, to be honest. So I think that it can feel so scary, like, especially if you've been married a long time, especially if you have kids, especially, especially anything, right? Like we've only been together for three months, so it still was scary. It still feels risky. But I think it's like, okay, we're going to go in on this and I'm going to have to trust that. And you can even preface it with like, look, I need to tell you something that's really hard for me. It's really scary for me. And I'm going to trust that you can handle this. And I know we don't normally talk like this, Yep. but like, I'm going to give it a shot. And even saying like, I know this may come as a shock to you and you may need time to process. I mean, you might dump something on a partner that's, they're like, holy crap, that just rocked my world Yep. and be understanding to letting them process totally and giving them space and time and not assuming that they're going to run away, not assuming that they're just going to file for divorce, but letting them process what you've given to them and giving them that time and space so you can come back and like talk about it. And I think it's, I love what you said. And I think it's really important that like just because you are being super fucking vulnerable and like bringing something to your partner does not guarantee a good response. Yeah. I think sometimes we we use our honesty as a weapon. We're like, well, I'm being honest with you. Because in the back of our mind, we're like, you know, I could have avoided all of this discomfort if I just shut the fuck up and did not bring it to my partner. But remember, the point is not the response. The point is the practice. The point is the the process, the point is ripping the bandaid off. The point is for you. So like your partner might not have a positive response. They're going to be like, thank you, honey. Thanks so much for bringing this to me. They're going to have their own defenses. Yep. They're going to feel, you know, emotionally hijacked. They might get angry. They might have to walk out. And it is your job to know ahead of time that all of those things are possible. And that's not yours to manage. The only thing that you are really in control of is trying to articulate your truth as clearly as you possibly can in that moment, be as honest as you possibly can and allow for the other person to have their response. And don't weaponize your honesty. Don't be like, well, I was honest. And like, that's, sorry, it's not a get, get out of jail free card. Yeah. I wish it was. So true. I'm but nodding. over, but, and you can probably speak to this too. Over time, they are more appreciative of honesty in every single one of my relationships. People have always come back later and said, you know, it was really hard to hear, but I'm so, I'm so appreciative of your honesty. They yeah. might not agree with you, by the way. They don't have to agree with you. Yep. But it is a practice for you. It's not to get something. It's to start the process. Yeah. And I think on the flip side of that is when you start asking for honesty and when people are honest with you, to not punish them for being honest. And that's really tricky. I remember growing up, you know, parents do this all the time. They're like, if you're drinking, call me, you know, like call <laughs> me if you need a ride home. But and you're if like, you're drunk yeah, and you call right. your parents and they punish you for drinking, you're like, you're grounded. You're like, why would I call you for a ride home when it wasn't safe to call you? Yeah, like, right. I'm going to lie about drinking then. <laughs> so it's like, you have to know that if you're asking for complete honesty and then they do give it to you, that you can like take a deep breath, take a beat, maybe go talk to your girlfriend at that point before you go blowing up and like, I knew it, you motherfucker. <laughs> you have to go, okay, thank you for being honest. 
and then you go and shut I'm going to process this yep. and I just need a little bit of time. That's the thing. When I say curated communication, yes. that's what I mean. And I had um, one of my spiritual teachers, Julia, Julius Torelli, um, who's amazing, by the way. He always said most people think it's action, emotion, and they're tied. It's like a dude cuts you off in traffic and you have to be pissed. That, that's like the only option, right? Like it's just like it's like thing happens, your response. He goes, there's a little bit of time between when the thing happens and your response that you have a choice Mm. and it doesn't feel that way sometimes it feels like if someone's honest with me and they you know tell me this this and this like I have to get defensive and so I think when I say curated communication that's what I mean I mean take your time I mean it's okay to like take a beat you're going to be super uncomfortable things are going to feel super uncertain they're going to feel up in the air for a little bit but just breathe into that place like just feel it and just breathe into it and go talk to your girlfriends and take a beat and process it I think it's Marie Forleo who says like, don't ever respond to an angry email like within 20, just the 24 hour rule. Similar to that is like, cool. If yeah, if your person, because remember if your partner is being honest with you, that's a risk for them too. Yes. And so if you really want honest communication, then you have to affirm that behavior by, you don't have to agree by the way, you never have to agree, but you do have to affirm the behavior. And so what response is going to affirm that behavior versus not? Yeah, I think so often we get honesty and then we almost punish people for being honest. And then that's, it's literally, we're training people to lie. Yep. We're like, cool, that's not what I wanted to hear. And then they're like, cool, I'm never going to tell you the truth again. And, and it just becomes this pattern of nobody ever, like, that's where the walking on eggshells comes from. I try and see like how far I can push it with Keith a little bit. And I like want him to do it too. I like, I'm so like obsessed with honesty that like, I'll say a little something that like might like maybe be a little like over the top just to see like how his response is and if he's cool with it. And then like, he'll say some stuff that like, I think 10 years ago me would have been pissed about or like would have taken super personal. And then I'm like, oh, okay, like, cool. I like that we are communicating on that level. I love that feel he feels safe enough yeah. to say some shit to me that like 10 years ago me would be super angry about. And I'm like, cool. Like I do get a little bit like, oh, what the fuck do you mean by that? But I also, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm also like, cool. I like that he feels safe to be himself and to be honest and to do all those things. So yeah. It does feel really good to have somebody be able to come to you with hard stuff. Yeah. And you do have to, it, it takes time. So like if you're expecting your partner to open up to you, maybe you're like, they never open up to me and they, I know they're hiding something. You have to make it feel safe and you have to do it with small stuff. And you have to, like you said, affirm the behavior and also know that it can take time, especially if you've been in a pattern of not communicating that way and starting with really small things and you know, maybe going to couples counseling and maybe even going to counseling on your own to identify the feelings that you're having and to be able to verbalize and come back. And yeah. I just started uh, counseling again this week and just for some patterns that I've been noticing that have come up and I just want to be able to break through those. And I, I think it's really important that I think we all have stuff that at some points in our life we can, it's not like you have to be going to psychiatrist or counselor forever but I think there's always a time in your life where it's like this is a time that I could maybe get some extra help getting through or verbalizing or communicating with someone else and so if you need to do that do that for yourself or do it as a couple and just as a side note to that I know a lot of times women are like my spouse will not go to couples counseling cool go to counseling on your own because helping yourself is only going to help the relationship yep you becoming better and you changing your behaviors is still going to affect the entire relationship. And 
nobody likes to be pointed the finger out be like, you need to go to the counselor. You need help. Like nobody wants, you're like, oh, really? I right. got issues. Like, look, it's, let me show you yours. <laughs> so I think even being the example of taking yourself to counseling or reading books or personal development or whatever it is, doing your own work, setting the example can start to make your partner see over time that maybe this is something that they'll look into too. Yeah. You know, um, someone responded back. I had posted something about honest communication doesn't need to be like a huge confrontation. I posted that a couple of days ago on Insta and someone responded and said, well, what if you are trying to have a conversation with someone who like literally just can't, like they get so defensive, so angry, whatever. And it's maybe someone you can't cut out of your life because it's like a family member or something. Mm-hmm. First of all, if it's your partner, like your romantic partner, and like you want to have a new, like establish a new dynamic, like at some point you have to see progress in that, right? So like if they're constantly like just not like wanting to even go there and they're constantly getting defensive and constantly like being angry and constantly like can't like – then like at some point it might actually be a no for you. And like, I know that's easier said than done, but like that you can do look at that. But if it's a family member that you don't have to be around all the time, but you have to be around sometimes, then I think it's okay too. And we talked about this in the episode on toxic people is I think you need to inoculate yourself a little bit. I think to Danny's point about doing your own work so that you can show up and have some of that stuff just roll the fuck off you. You know, there's definitely people in my life that like, I don't always agree. Like I don't really always love interacting with, but I've inoculated myself to the point where like I can keep that shit superficial and it's cool. And like, I can be around them and I don't take shit personally. I'm like, that's just them and like whatever. But so I think working on yourself to not take all of that so personally and kind of inoculate yourself. Cause I don't think I don't contrary to, I feel like popular spiritual belief. What's taught now is like, just cut them out of your life. They're toxic people. And I'm like, yes. And mm-hmm. right. Like, yes. And there's some people that we can't. And also I think it might just be a toxic interaction. It mm-hmm. might just be her's not ready yet. I think there's the opportunity to give someone the benefit of the doubt, some to empathize, to see it from their perspective. Doesn't mean you have to be a martyr, but I do think that it's a lot more nuanced than we would like it to be. I agree. Yeah. So this is all about communication, curated communication, curated hashtag communication. I like it. Yes. And you guys, we are, we got some new, uh, what are they called? Reviews which we love and we would love for more. Um, if y'all can leave a review, you would be our bestie, bestie, bestie. And we'll post it on the uh, IG account. Follow us on Instagram and get into the Facebook group at thebestlifepodcast.com. There's still conversations about that Jordan Shallow <laughs> thing going on. People did. People loved him. Yeah. No, they hated. <laughs> they love to hate him. And um, yeah, there's always fun stuff going on in there. Make sure you subscribe so you get these immediately as soon as we publish them. And we'll see you later. Bye, guys. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.